0: Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts here during the bye week. Brunts is back after taking a victory lap because Austin Allen caught a touchdown pass. Hoo, 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 hoo. He actually did it in what? Uh yeah, he did he did it in the, the Minnesota game. Mm-hmm. He did it against Michigan. Two in a row for Austin Allen. Michael Brunts, do you want to uh do you want to comment? Do you want to start right there?
1: Well, I, I, I essentially George Costanza, it right. You, you got to end on a high note, and I don't know that it was going to get much higher than that. I mean, you you show faith in Austin Allen that something eventually is going to break through for him, and then all of a sudden, you know, the the dam gives way, and the townspeople are running for high for high land. So that that's uh, what happened, and I, I, I felt like I didn't really. There's nothing I could have added last week to to really top that.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, just quickly on Austin Allen, he's he's venturing into Tyler Hoppus twenty seventeen territory. Yes, which is the uh, the last high for a tight end play around these parts. So, and then he really has a chance to go over five hundred yards. I mean, if you think about it, so if he can average forty yards over the next four games, he will put himself above five hundred yards. Nebraska hasn't had a tight end do that in a little while. So, uh, Austin Allen. Could have a uh, all Big Ten like season. His touchdown against Minnesota, while very nice, also served a purpose too in explaining that Nebraska can throw the ball in the red zone. They just choose not to more often than not. So we'll just uh, we'll get right into the Nebraska Minnesota game. Brunts, you watched that one uh, from home. You avoided the house of horrors that right now is Huntington Bank Stadium for Nebraska. They've lost their last three there, and including two games that weren't particularly close, and this one had the makings of being another blowout until Nebraska righted the ship, uh, but weren't able to complete the full comeback. What were your just sort of thoughts? I mean, even if you could, go in going into the game, you didn't make a prediction. You weren't on the podcast. You didn't have a, a, a prediction dated anywhere, really. What, uh, what were your thoughts kind of going in, and certainly what are your thoughts coming out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was probably naive to assume that Nebraska could have put together another solid performance. Um, you know, coming off of, of Michigan and the way that they beat Northwestern. I, you know, going into that game thought that the defense would was going to have to carry the day. I mean, I, I think Minnesota's defense was still a little bit untested, but you know, it's kind of the typical big 10 defense that, you know, would at least give you some issues. And the, the hesitation, I guess, for thinking that Nebraska would go in there and win was, you, you know, you look back at the way that P.J. Flex' team has game plan against Nebraska in the past, and I feel like they've always had really good game plans for Nebraska's defense. And, you know, I, I thought that we were kind of past the sleepwalking through the first couple quarters of an 11 a.m. game. Um, but we weren't, and you know the defense played its worst half of football since the, the Illinois game, at the worst possible time. The offense looked completely out of sorts. Whether that's Adrian Martinez's injury, whether it's the way that they game planned around the injury, whether they just had no rhythm whatsoever, whether it was play calling, what whatever. Um, you know it, it was. You you were kind of barreling in the in the carpool lane towards blowout city in that first half, and. To Nebraska's credit I mean again they should have won the game late with the way they played you had the three trips inside the red zone that got you nothing and you know the the jock Yant stumble at the one I feel like we need to have like a, a cheeky name for that play um, I, which maybe by the end of the podcast I'll come up with one but it's you know that's that's Nebraska football you're so you're so close and at the same time you just cannot get out of your own way enough to win a game like this. And it was one that Nebraska needed. I mean, going into it, I think you were looking at Minnesota and Purdue as can't-lose games uh, coming down the stretch. And Nebraska leaves uh, with, with this tail tucked between its legs at the worst possible time going into a bye game – or a bye week. So it, the one thing I was thinking, and I'm curious what you think, Mike, it, it seemed like what we were hearing from Nebraska – in the week leading up to that Minnesota game seemed to raise the issue of the fact that it was the last game before a bye week and you just got to get through this and Nebraska was beat up and all this other stuff. What's the, I guess, what contribution do you think that the way that Nebraska talked about that game beforehand actually like played out in that game on, on that Saturday? Well...
0: All right. Run, run that through me one more time. Like, how did you phrase that? I want to make sure I get this right.
1: So I'm always of the opinion, you get what you emphasize and Nebraska, the coaches and some players had talked about, you know, you know, we're kind of a tired group. They played seven straight weeks, um, you know, just needed one more effort. And then they'd get that bye week. How to me, that mindset, Leads into the kind of performance that you saw in the first half from Nebraska. Am I wrong?
0: I don't. I don't know that you're wrong. I didn't think of it in the moment. I know Happer was the my co-host for for Happer and Shaver. Connor Happer was pretty clued in on that right away after that initial Monday press conference. He came back and he's like, "I feel like there's too many people talking about how the bye week is next," and I didn't think much of it. In part because I guess. I gave too much credit for Nebraska's ability to mentally be able to handle a spot where they just go and perform in a game and they go and do what's expected of them. Um, I, I guess when, when you asked that question initially, I was thinking, I was thinking like, if you just took the way Nebraska started that game, like, let's just say you took the first half, and then you were trying to figure out what they were emphasizing in practice and what their, their total focus was in that contest as to how they played against Minnesota. And it's like you, you know that Minnesota came in with a game plan that they're like, we're going to take every one of these passes that they give us, every single one. I don't know what Nebraska's focus was going into the first half of that game. It obviously changed when you're down 21-9 to nine and you have to play a different style in the second half. And it seemed like they got more clued in. Early in that game, it just kind of felt like they sort of were just going to meander their way into the game and figure it out as they went along. And guess what? It played exactly that way. And that's not the first time we've seen that. Um, and I, I don't know if that's just a product of an offense that never seems to stay on the field at the beginning of a game uh, when it's on the road. You saw that against Illinois. You saw that against Michigan State. You saw that against uh, against Minnesota. They did get a field goal against Oklahoma. But I just uh, – when you said what you did, it just locked me sort of into the idea. Like if you were just dropped into that game and after the first half, you were told to write down what it is you thought Nebraska was trying to do on offense, it'd have been kind of hard because they're just so discombobulated. Like when it looks good, it looks effortless. Mm -hmm. When it looks bad, it looks like they have no idea what it is that they want to do to stress a defense. And so um, I know that's not the tangent that you were looking for when you asked the question.
1: No, but I mean, that, it, it, it that's is sort
0: of where I arrived um, after what you were saying.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's you know, I think teams throughout the course of a season have that kind of a clunker from time to time. But I mean, I it just uh, you know, you you would kind of hope that in all the close talk and all this other stuff that Nebraska would be past that kind of a game, and especially in a game that was you know, really important in terms of, you know, kind of what, uh, you know, if Nebraska going to make a bowl game or just trying to seize back momentum or whatever. Because um, I, I was just going back to, I think it was Austin Allen that said, you know, the coaching staff's going to take it easy on our bodies this week. And you know, we played for seven straight weeks. We're kind of tired. Um, you know, it, it, and it looked in the first half like you had a, a team that was, Riding the brakes into a bye week and another team that had just come out of a bye week. Like, that's probably the best way I can put it.
0: Yeah. And I, I also think there's this, and this we haven't really gotten into yet either, but it feels to me that in the last three times that these teams have played each other, and Nebraska and PJ Fleck have met five times now, and Minnesota's won four out of those five, with the exception being the 2018 game. But the last three, it feels like one team shows up wanting to beat the crap out of the other, and the other team just shows up. And it doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter who's playing well going into that situation. It doesn't matter if you're coming off of a massive COVID pause. It doesn't matter if you're coming off of a bye week. It doesn't matter if your team is undefeated and you're working on a great season. No matter what, Minnesota has shown up three times in a row. And I don't know if it's the product of not showing up as well in 2018 and P.J. Fleck still has that in his brain, or if it's because that staff up there sort of circles the Nebraska game before the year and they make that a big one. And I think that's really what it is because it does feel like Minnesota cares about this game more than Nebraska does. It does feel like P.J. Fleck had that line ready to go in the postgame about this matchup between those two teams. I don't think that's just a – occurs in the moment sort of deal i think that he really believes that he has nebraska's number and that his team is going to outplay nebraska on a given saturday and for three straight years they've shown up and done that whether it's at home whether it's on the road no matter the circumstance it's interesting to me that nebraska does not feel the same way about minnesota despite the last two times like one time you got embarrassed on their field Last year, you sort of got embarrassed at home with how poor you played against a team that had been shut down and was with a few amount of players available to them. And uh, this time, in a game in which, just like Illinois, a team that beat you on your home field last year they really had no business doing it, you come out flat. Like, I I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what more motivation a player would have needed but for Cam Taylor to Britt to talk about how they didn't bring their own juice to start the game on Saturday, that's alarming to me. The the way that it started, like those first three plays, you just knew immediately this is the kind of game Nebraska's in. And um I don't know, I don't know how that gets fixed. And I don't know who ultimately that falls upon. But I do know that when Minnesota plays Nebraska and if PJ Fleck is a head coach, that game means a lot to them. And I just can't say the same for Nebraska when they play Minnesota.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's true. I mean, I think the whole culture versus skill comment, I mean, I feel like that's been blown out a, a little bit more than it should be. I mean, it's a great line, but I mean, it, I, I think Matt Schick had him on um, on his uh, Sirius XM show on Monday and was talking about like, I guess he clarified that what he meant was more about, you know, one, one score games. And that's obviously been a topic of concern um, around Nebraska, given the the way things have gone the last four seasons, but Minnesota's three and one this year, I believe in in one score games. And, you know, that they talk about, you know, how they emphasize winning those types of games and eliminating losing and, and those kinds of things. And I, I, I don't think he's wrong. I mean, I think when you've kind of hit on the right potion to to kind of get up for those kinds of games and, and get those kinds of games over the finish line. I mean, I, I think, you know, he, he's right a little bit. I mean, it is a culture issue and th- that, that word I think is probably a little bit triggering too around Nebraska, given how much it's been thrown around. But I, I think, you know, that's a, that to me, looks like a team that's more geared towards winning those kinds of close games, I guess, than, than maybe what Nebraska is right now, where, you know, you, you get to the point where you need a play or, you know, you're close to scoring or something like that. And and it, you can almost kind of see it in the back of players' minds where they almost expect the other shoe to drop. And that's that's a scary place to be uh, as a player and, and certainly as a coach uh, when you're trying to figure out how to get things over the hump.
0: And yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, Okay, so we're, we're discussing this game We've discussed this game. Let's just kind of pull out halfway through the season. They're three and five, not where anyone expected them or, well, maybe where some people expected them to be, but not certainly where they wanted to be um, through their own words and their own actions. What is your level of concern about Nebraska as they come out of this bye week? Um, They'll have, you know, we'll talk again next week. They get Purdue then they have Ohio state, then they have Wisconsin and Iowa do you think this team because it feels like it's it's wound pretty tight now at this point like you've lost all the games you really could afford to lose what what kind of attitude what what do you sort of expect out of this team as you head into that Purdue week next week
1: yeah I don't know that's that's a huge question um you know first off you got to get healthy because you got so many of your guys that you're counting on that are beat up right now I mean Sounds like Deontay Williams is going to be limited or out for a little while. Adrian Martinez is limited. Ramir Johnson going through concussion protocol. But, you know, you, you would hope that with a, a week off to kind of recharge the batteries, that guys would come back dialed in, ready to, to take on a Purdue team that I think is probably better than they get credit for. I mean, they just went on the road and beat Iowa handily. And I think in some ways that kind of a game probably gets guys focused a little bit more easily if Purdue would have gone into Iowa city and gotten their doors blown off. Like that to me would have signaled more of kind of a, an upset alert type thing or, you know, about Nebraska might maybe sleepwalking through things but they would think Purdue was kind of a walkover and not be dialed in for it. I mean, I, I think what I've kind of learned through eight games is that, assuming pretty much anything about this team and where it's at mentally is probably a losing proposition. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think a lot of people wrote them off after the Illinois game and they came back and they played pretty good football for about six weeks. And then they kind of crashed and burned here again in Minneapolis.
1: The You know, the, the thing though, is I think it needs to come more from the players right now. Like th- that to me is going to tell just how dialed in guys still are as if, you have this core of guys that you really have liked all season who have, you know, been pretty kind of a a team led type group. I mean, that's where you need to lean on Adrian Martinez and Austin Allen and Ben Stille and some of those guys to kind of get things refocused a little bit. But I I don't know. I mean, I, the, the thing I wonder is with a weekend off and actually you, I think you asked me this when I was on your show yesterday do you think that there's anything out there that Nebraska can do, especially an offense midstream to kind of write the ship or give a different look or, or what do, are you anticipating seeing anything different against Purdue than what we saw through the first eight games of the season?
0: I don't think so. I mean, I think they kind of fired their big gun, which is changing up the offensive line. I just, obviously we can get into the conversation about reps at wide receiver and whatever else, but I think some of that is entirely out of your hands to a point. I mean, you got to have guys that can perform um, and, and know what's going on and and everything else. And so um, if, if there's a trust concern there, it's going to be hard to get those players onto the field, but I, I just don't think there's a lot that they can change. I mean, I think that's kind of, I think that's sort of the scary part for me is if you went three and five and it's not like there's a magical solution fixed to this. I mean, you still got the same quarterback if he's healthy and you still have the same running back if he's healthy and your offensive line is still a little bit incomplete and your, your tight ends are still kind of the best part of what you have on offense. I think defensively it's as much as just sort of getting back to um, getting back to square one. I think that, if, if either side felt the brunt of playing eight straight weeks, it felt like the defense, which between the Michigan game and the, the Minnesota game started to show a little bit of wear and tear and some cracks, but I, I have a lot of confidence that they're going to come out and play pretty well over the final four games of the season. But the big thing to me is just going to be the offense. Can they, can they do enough to, uh, to win a game against a Purdue or a Wisconsin or an Iowa, let alone Ohio state. And so um, they're they're going to have to score at the very least three touchdowns a game plus some field goals if they can make them. I mean, I, I just think it, it all comes back to the offense, and, and that's, that's the side of the field that needs to get better and needs to play better, and that's been true for how many years now?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's more more about how you who you try to push the ball to at this point. Like, I, I don't know that the personnel looks different. Maybe we see Thomas Fedoni late. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that, but I think you probably at this point need to, to basically say, okay, who, who do we need to get more involved? Cause getting Austin Allen more involved has looked pretty good. And I'm surprised that it took this long for that to take place. The, I think you need to find ways to get Samori Toure the ball. Like you got to take deeper shots. Um, Well,
0: that's a, that's part of the the confounding thing is that you took shots against Northwestern. You took shots against these other teams and then against Minnesota, you had one deep pass to Levi Falcon. That was about it. And I guess if you want to call the seam route to Austin Allen, a shot, but that's a 20 yard pass. Right. There's a difference there. Yeah. One deep ball the entire game.
1: Yeah. It's that when they've done it has looked really good. I think, um, And they just have not done it with any kind of consistency. And I think too, that 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 kind of plays into the whole attacking attitude. I mean, Northwestern is not going to be confused for the 85 bears, but they, they took some shots. They played with aggression on offense. They, they pushed, pushed the envelope with um, trying to get Northwestern on their heels. And it worked. I mean, I, I, it should have worked against Minnesota. I think it can work against Purdue. Um, But You know, I I just – against teams like Ohio State and Wisconsin and Iowa, you're not going to win football games by just going horizontal the whole time. I mean, you've got to try to get the ball to your playmakers downfield. I hope to see that when they come back.
0: Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We're going to get into a little bit of recruiting. Scott Frost spoke as much about Nebraska's plans uh, during the bye week here as well. And then, of course, there's a decommitment this weekend too. And uh, we will dive into that when we return here on the Husker 24 7 podcast. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So, 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 so. So, so's okay. Ah! Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions, and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, new Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. All right, we are back, Brunts. I was actually gone when Hayden Schwartz committed to Nebraska the first time. He is now decommitted. There seems to be somewhat of a, uh, a general feeling that this was a move that served all parties. Um, you know, we'll leave it at that. Uh, I do know, and you do know, because people on our network at 247 Sports had reached out about it. Hayden Schwartz, since early September, had been in contact with a few different programs. So it didn't strike me at the time as all that surprising. And then if, if Nebraska felt like there was concerns of his actual commitment sticking, it was maybe better for both sides to just open things back up. So that is where we're at right now. Incidentally, I believe Hayden Schwartz was in Minnesota the past weekend. So he was up <laughs> visiting the Gophers, uh, watching Nebraska play there. And that might be, uh, that might've been enough to, to kind of determine the the rest of the route, if you will.
1: Yeah, he, I mean, he visited Nebraska um, a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah, the Michigan game.
1: And, I mean, he, he wasn't that much bigger than Jake Applegate, which surprised me a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there was a a ton of hand wringing there, I guess. I I mean, you, we can talk about it now. I mean, what what is – Nebraska's coaches are on the road right now. What what is What does this week look like in terms of who they're – trying to check in on because it it's feels like it's going to be juco heavy right juco and
0: yeah i think you got i think you got some different coaches at the, the jayhawk conference this week i think that you're going to get some local uh check-ins i mean maybe they'd see some high school games of some 23s and some 24s um but it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's an all-out blitz for one or two different players in the 2022 class i think Sort of what makes it frustrating for fans to hear this is I don't know that Nebraska has like a must get that's out there. I think they're just kind of scanning the field of what's available, trying to find guys that they think can help without loading up their class too much. And it's going to be the same way in the transfer portal. And I understand that there's nothing remotely invigorating or sexy about that comment, but it is not like there, there isn't a guy In the 2022 class, like it's not Jaleel Martin. It's not Zaquan Frazier. It's not, you know, they like these guys, but there isn't one person where they're like, we gotta, we gotta go guns blazing on this. And I think that's in part because this cycle is disrupted as it has been. I think they're just trying to, to, to fill what they can, grab the best players they can, and then really hammer things hard on 23. I think you're more likely to see them, out and about Friday night at high school games that involve players they really like from the 2023 class.
1: Because it's – I mean, the, the, with the way that the classes are currently split up, I mean, you can make a pretty strong argument that the last thing Nebraska needs right now at a number of positions are more high school kids.
0: Right. That's, that's what I don't know that people understand is that the roster is so imbalanced towards freshmen and they're going to have so many guys from the 21 class and the 20 class – who are both considered just freshmen this year, that could redshirt, that that imbalance would then be even bigger if you went and signed 20 kids from high school in the 2022 class.
1: So Logan, you, Logan, Logan Smothers, is he still a freshman? It. What is that? Logan Smothers, he's like a fifth-year freshman.
0: Yeah, he'll be a sophomore next year, so he doesn't necessarily count towards this. Yeah. Um, but there's other guys that do. And it's just a uh, – It's just a a potential mess if you have, because the only number that matters is 85, right? So if you have 47 kids on your roster that are freshmen, it really severely limits your ability to go and get other players if three other classes make up the other 38 players. And so you, part of why you're going into the transfer portal is yes to go get immediate help. Which is what Scott Ross talked about. And I'll read one of those quotes here in a second. But the other reason is to spread out the class. Like you got you to gotta backfill in in some areas where you've had some people transfer out. You got to have um, some players fill out some spots. So that way, in the 2024 class, you're not taking a six person class plus whatever attrition you have because the numbers are so screwy. Because instead of adding to the 85, they just said you could have up past 25. You could go, you know, it, there's no, or you can backfill against guys that initially you wouldn't have been able to count because they transferred at a certain time, but it doesn't change the fact that the only number that matters is 85. And that's all the number that matters. And so that's what Nebraska has to work off of. And I, I think that that is more difficult for people to, to possibly assess and they realize because for some, it's like, well, they should just load up, get as many guys as you can. And that, I think, would be the worst thing for Nebraska. Yeah. If, if but- honestly, you know, in addition to, to the 85, something that seems like it could help this program is if they actually pared down a little bit. They don't need 140 players at practice. They clearly are struggling to run things when they have that many as it is anyways. Focus on what matters I know this is not going to be received particularly well, but you don't have to take a 20-person walk-on class every year. Um, so there's, there's different things that they can do in that regard. But here's what Scott Frost had to say yesterday about the recruiting class. This recruiting class, we're going to focus on maybe some immediate impact guys a little more, probably not sign as many freshmen. When you're as close as we've been, one or two pieces, one or two more guys will get you over the hump. So we're probably going to look at the transfer portal a little more, look to the junior college a little more and focus on these things to make sure we replace a couple guys we might be losing and try to add, try to add just a couple pieces. I think we need. So again, it, it gets into the mindset of Nebraska feels like they're close. They feel like they're a few pieces away. Um, and they're going to have some, you know, they're going to have some really tough things to replace. JoJo Doman's going to be gone. That's not an easy piece to just replace on your defense right now. Austin Allen's going to be gone. He might be your most consistent, best offensive player by the end of the year. You uh, On defense, you could end up losing Damian Daniels, who has been a really revelation for you at nose tackle. Bruns, who's our backup nose tackle right now?
1: Uh, well, on paper, Jordan Riley, but – I don't know that the that's Raptors actually played.
0: Yeah, I mean, they right. just – they don't have anyone ready to go in that spot. Um, so part of why the three and five stings as bad as it does is that it's hard for me to envision a roster next year that's better than the one that Nebraska has this year. And so if you're not able to take care of business on the road against Illinois and Minnesota and you can't – win one of those games when you're close against Oklahoma, Michigan and Michigan state with a roster that he himself, Scott Frost himself has said is the best that he's had here. It's hard to figure out how you're just a piece or two away when you're losing some of your most important players. And in addition, we don't know what's going to happen with Adrian. And Adrian is sort of the sun that every football conversation in Nebraska has to circle because it is hard to envision Finding a guy that's as talented, um, but it may not be the worst thing for Nebraska that they aren't as quarterback-centric in their offense. However, by nature, the quarterback is everything in this offense, and that's what makes them unique in the Big Ten because there's not a whole lot of places that that's true about.
1: Them. Yeah, I mean that's that the the decisions of that was what twelve guys I think that, that basically have a choice um, to, to make. Are going to be fascinating because I mean, if potentially Adrian moves on or, you know, Danny Daniels moves on, I mean, that there's those are two huge pieces that you have to fix. I mean, on defense, probably the most important guy in that deep in a 3 4 is your nose tackle. And in this offense, it's the quarterback, like you said. And I mean, that's. I mean, one advantage of the portal is you can go in and find somebody, but, um, you know, that's a, those are two tough places to kind of have to reset the deck in, you know, going to potentially year five or, you know, if you have assistant coaching changes or whatever. Um, so those, those to me, those decisions plus, you know, what you do in the portal, I think are probably more interesting than, what Nebraska is doing, um, with, with high school kids right now, if anything, like it, it just, it doesn't, uh, I mean, maybe, you know, Vince Genitone, you, you you get a late offer to him, but I don't know that there's a ton of guys out there in high school right now that are are really even, you know, on, on the the front burner for Nebraska right now.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that entirely. Uh, anything else you want to throw in about recruiting as we are here right now?
1: I don't think so. I mean, do you have any he,
0: thoughts on Gage Stanger?
1: Uh, you've seen him, right? I've, I have not seen him play in person.
0: Yeah, Gage is—he uh, was the best. He was the best high school player on the field when I went and watched Miller South and Bellevue West. They're a really interesting athlete that looks like he's going to start out at safety. We'll see, kind of how he grows. One of the things I like about this class, and I understand that some people wouldn't, but I do is I think Nebraska has really defined what they want to recruit on defense, and they've done a nice job of finding some of that locally. And it's going to take a little bit to pay off, but guys like Ernest Hausman and Jake Applegate and Gage Stanger, and you can talk to Alan True about this. Um, you know, you as a as a user, as a listener, certainly can. Alan's very available, or I could talk to Alan or a brunch can too.
1: Here's his number, Colin.
0: <laughs> Alan is uh, – <laughs> Allen is very high on what he has detailed. Nebraska basically looking for guys that are very good high school athletes that have the ability to play different positions. He loves that they've locked in on some of these guys, Ernest Hausman, Jake Applegate, Gage Stinger, who might be better offensive players in high school than they are defensive players. But by nature of what they're being asked to do on offense, they show certain skill sets that should allow them to translate over on defense where you can put the weight on them. You know, you can teach them some of the techniques, but you can't make a guy more athletic. You can't make a guy better at catching the ball in this, you know, or, or being in the right spot or understanding an offense. And so if you're taking a quarterback and a couple of wide receivers and guys that know their high school offenses pretty well and have had to learn those things, and you throw them on the defensive side of the ball, their instincts are going to be pretty good because they're going to think like an offensive player on defense. And Nebraska is doing a lot of that. And you can sort of see that they have a bit of a tight where they like these six-foot-three, six-two-and-a-half to six-four, and they could be an inside linebacker, they could be an outside linebacker, they could be a safety. And they just want to get that athleticism on the field because they think that they can get it big enough and they think they can get it strong enough that they're going to be able to hold up against the point of attack. And so far, if you look at what they've done with some of the guys that are out there right now for them, you have a Luke Reimer. Luke's very fast. They they basically took a guy that was going to play safety, I think, at FCS – moved him into the box that is an inside linebacker at Nebraska, and he's had a very nice career with it. And they're pairing him up with a Nick Henrich, who's your more traditional north-south linebacker. And so that's the kind of concepts they're trying to do. And I think some of the defensive players they have in this class fit that really well. And I would, I would highlight that as something that even in a year in which they're more than likely not going to finish better than in the 60s in their recruiting ranking, they're still getting guys that fit what they want to do. They're not just taking players for the sake of taking them.
1: Sounds good. You, so uh, what, so what we learned today is you can call Alan true if you want. And also you hate walk-ons. Is that, is that the, the other takeaway from today? I feel like I'm getting BC
0: <laughs> here with tight ends, but I do not hate walk-ons. I just think that Nebraska doesn't need 140 people on their roster.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It's, I, uh, I mean,
0: they they struggle to manage what they have now. They could pare it down a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's, that's fair. And it's, I mean, it's all that new facility is open too. like, it's an absolute headache over there with guys walking through random interviews and towels and everything else. But, um, anywho, I digress.
0: Yeah. Well, that can be a conversation we can, I'm sure have at another time. All right. Uh, any closing thoughts, Brunce, anything you want to send us out with any knowledge you want to impart before you leave the, uh, the pantry that you're doing this interview in.
1: Yeah. Literally in a pantry. I was just sitting here eyeing the turmeric. Seeing if I could make a little turmeric shot here. Um,
0: it sounds not great.
1: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to do that. That would be awful. Uh, I don't. I don't really have much. It, next week's busy, um, so that's good. We've got basketball starting up, football's back, and I, I'm I'm eager to see what what this Nebraska basketball team is going to look like, and also the return of Dido's Chan to. Uh, so- I guess he was never at Pinnacle Bank Arena, but he's coming back to Lincoln to play Nebraska for Peru State. So we'll hit on, hit on all that next week, though.
0: I like that in his graphic of being committed to Peru State, it's still the picture of him at Nebraska.
1: <laughs> I think there's probably a recorder that I have somewhere that has a Dito Chan interview on it that I never got to write because he left before. Um, he left too quickly. He was just a, a flash in the sky.
0: Sometimes that's all they ever are. Yeah. All right. We are all, We're out. We'll be back next week with another podcast. There's no hype cast this week for the bye weekend. You're going to have to bring your own hype to Saturday. Uh, if you would like, you can contact me. And I'm more than willing to uh, make a, an audio clip that says, let's get hype that you can play when you wake up on Saturday. If that's, that's what you need, but enjoy your bye week. Enjoy your bye weekend. Husker 24 7 We'll have coverage throughout the weekend. There'll be plenty of stuff. And we will be back next week with another Husker 24-7 podcast.